Welcome to the Wrestler Review. I'm Dylan Gott, and I am John Dana White Hastings. Why Dana White? Because I respect promoters that do not cancel in the middle of a quarantine. That's right, everybody. This episode recorded. There you go, buddy. Live right before World War Three breaks out between the UFC and the WWE, the only governments that really matter because they don't shut down for no fucking quarantine. That's why I like the. U- that's why. Uh- well, I mean, AEW's also, like, did their show last week. They had all the wrestlers around the ring to create some sort of crowd, and no one really gave them shit about it. Like, it's like AEW is, like, oh, fuck, how would you say it? They they catch no shit for things where people would lose their mind on Well, WWE. they don't catch no shit. This episode is being uh, recorded right after the Matt Hardy-Chris Jericho confrontation in the ring. And for the first time, people are pretty divided on the direction of AEW. Like, a lot more people... The second one. Pardon me? Second, yeah. The second one. The second one. Not their, not not Matt's, not Matt's debut. Yeah, not Matt's debut. Well, now the one where they're in the ring where he calls himself Damascus a lot and says some pretty crazy stuff and teleports. There's a lot of people that aren't super pleased with that. I will say this. With no audience, why not do that? Does that make sense? Where it's like, I think you could literally just... Where it's essentially they're just going, AEW's doing that thing of like, fuck it, they'll be talking about it. Like they're they're still a very new company. They're still very much fighting for an audience and fighting for brand recognition as also wrestling and doing something like that second interaction between Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho is smart in that everyone's talking about it in WrestleMania season. And if AEW is smart, they're going to keep they're going to keep the momentum up of that their show somehow has a better feel to it than the WWE Performance Center shows. And we're really going to learn that because WrestleMania is about to happen in a in the Performance Center. And good God, that's going it's to crazy. be crazy. It's crazy. And they're filming it like... It's March 28th when we record this. Yeah, it's filmed... They're filming it over the course of the next two days. No, no. They filmed it last week. But apparently they're making. They've already made like huge changes to the card or something. Oh well, because like because a bunch of wrestlers can't travel. Like I'm in the states right now. Part of me wants to go to Canada. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to stay here. <laughs> yeah, you will not be cuckolded by this virus. I don't want to go on an airplane. I still don't. And it's also like, and I keep hearing like, or drive just drive alone. I if I was you, I'd ride a motorcycle and a sh- and a fucking sawed off shotgun and just pretend I was in a video game. And if someone was like, hey, how are you? Could I uh, interest you in Gagoosh dead? <laughs> Load the gun. I drink Corona and I'm as deadly as Corona, baby. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Although it is the state, so they still would care way more about murder. I get the feeling that if I could, I would murder a bunch of people here in Canada and everyone would be like, but he didn't give him. Cor- but did you do it in isolation? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, well, then that's fine. I. Uh- Oh, yeah. No, well, it depends on where you are. California is taking this real seriously, and other states are really not. It's very interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone everyone in Florida will be dead. <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you, all the states that are not taking coronavirus seriously, I know this will be heard either when it's much worse or starting to crest on the other side. All the states not taking it seriously, I could live without you. Florida, go fuck yourself. All of you are bad. 
you're the type of white people that aren't fun. You're the type of wrestling fan that says this. All I like is Dick Slater's politics. That's why I'm here for wrestling. <laughs> Jim Cornette shouldn't have been fired for that Ethiopian joke. He should have said that, but used the terms I like for them. Yeah, or the Dick Slater, uh, or the, sorry, the type of wrestling fan who's like, why isn't like the Attitude Era? Charlotte Flair should just full suck off Roman Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> That's my WrestleMania. Yeah, my, Wrestle- my WrestleMania is the Page sex tape watched in reverse. <laughs> Check this out. I like seeing the load go in the dick. <laughs> it's like it comes running away from weakness. That's what I like. In the middle of this, in the middle of the coronavirus, in the middle of here's my conspiracy theory. Mean Gene passed away, and then the coronavirus started. Oh, I don't think that's a coincidence. It was in his body the whole time. <laughs> it's him. It's uh, he's the coronavirus. Welcome, everyone. I start as a cough and then kill your dad. Welcome, everyone. You know how you love your parents? Well, they haven't had time to probably shore up a nest egg for your future. So you'll die screaming in the street, which is how I came into this world. <laughs> I want to take your job and kill your parents. Yes. I am the darkness. Uh, they say it is darkest before the dawn. Well, the sun's never fucking rising again. Welcome, everyone, to hell. I'm the devil. <laughs> I am the devil, and I came to do his work. Now, Bastion yeah, Booger. They always say that God is more powerful than the devil. Well, that's relying on the fact that God isn't already dead. <laughs> um, we got. So here's what we're going to do. This is Death of Territories Part 4. Uh, Death of Territories Part 4, and here's how we're going to do it. We're going to go territory by territory, explaining how they are continuing to crumble at the mighty, mighty hands of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. It's Vincent Kennedy McMahon, goddammit, not Vincent, Vince Johnson McMahon. This guy ain't bumbling. He is... Using dirty tricks to ruin a bunch of Southern Is lives. It Jameson McMahon? I don't think it's Johnson. No, I said it's Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Yeah, but then you said not Vincent Johnson McMahon. Yeah, because he's not like Lyndon Johnson, that piece oh, of shit. Oh, I thought that that was Vincent uh, J. McMahon's um, middle middle name is not Johnson. It's James. No, yeah, no, it's Vince. All right, so Vincent. <laughs> I don't know why we're getting bugged out of this. Vince Jr.'s name is middle name is Kennedy. Yeah. And I was saying that he's like JFK, not Lyndon Johnson, who's a piece of shit. Oh, sorry. He's a guy who's fucking got fake shot in the 60s. Oh, really? How do you get fake shot? Is that like when you're... Is that like when you're fucking a chick and then you don't want to waste your fucking load? So you just go goo goo and go, oh, it was really small. It is a good theory. Mean Jeans, the COVID-19. COVID-18 COVID was uh, Roddy Piper. <laughs> that's why it didn't do anything. It just, yeah. It's just why everyone felt real... F- that's why everyone thought, you know what? 2015's a fun year. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm a, co- I'm a virus right now. Here's what I do. You get a light cough, and then you go to the top of a hill, and then you tell them what you think of them. Here's the thing to know about me is that my dad kicked me out at 13 because I loved a lady, and I spent the rest of my fucking life... <laughs> not knowing how to read <laughs> I taught myself to be illiterate oh, I yeah. here's the thing okay everyone uh, welcome to the death of the territories Vince McMahon makes all the right moves one of the right moves was hiring me here's the thing over our the overarching theme of the territories also which ter- territory are we going to talk about first we're Bill Watts 
Mid-South, baby, because we got to go Mid-South uh, because Mid-South was run by Watts, not a part of the NWA, but for some reason, they were fine. Because Bill Watts seceded from the NWA, basically a lot like Vince's dad did, which is he saw that they didn't have fucking much shit to do. Sorry, they didn't have much power anymore, so he was like, I'm not going to give you a $1,000 a show. Here is the brilliance of Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon in this period is the reason why Vince McMahon is who he is, is he plays all of the moves and lessons he makes here are the moves he continues to try and make throughout his history as we move forward, and they don't necessarily work. And so every every adversary he makes during the territory wars, he has a lot of dirt and information on them because he was the protege of his dad. He's going up against Bill Watts, where did Bill Watts learn how to be a promoter and a booker? From Eddie Graham and Vince McMahon Sr., who are best friends and are talking. So how does Vince McMahon attack a boisterous, egotistical, racist, Christian lady fucker? Dylan? Thoughts? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think Bill Watts is uh, the greatest promoter yeah. in the history Dylan of loves wrestling. Bill Watts, here's the following reasons. Bill Watts is racist and literally uses the classic, I know one black guy, therefore I cannot be racist excuse. I hired one yeah. once. That means... I hired one and I called him a dog. I say boy to yeah. everybody, not just black I, guys, but I do yell at the black I call, guys. I once called my wife boy. We were trying something. <laughs> no, I think Bill Watts, Um, it's really for every territory they're doing okay it's just like we said before vince mcmahon has really caught the nerve of the banks have been deregulated and everybody in the 80s the 80s makes way for the 90s of course where it's like everything has one brand that does it above everything else like the only thing i honest to god the only real thing i can think of that has just doesn't have like a definitive every single town has the same is pizza like you can still have a small pizza place hamburgers too no you're right about that hamburgers particularly actually no but i i see i see your point hamburgers in say canada if you're going fast food hamburgers you immediately think mcdonald's the states and to this day is actually a little bit different and also we have a lot of british listeners is that geographically and territorially there is a big there is a huge amount of difference in types of the brands that you see but from an international perspective, I completely agree with what you're saying is that for every entertainment, food, sort of non-important, non-essential thing, there is only one fucking brand. I see your point. Yeah. And Vince, at this time also, this is not the sleek presentation of professional wrestling that we're used to from the WWE. He's... He's got syndicated television. It's a lot br- it's a lot better lit than any other wrestling. The other advantage he has here and again, I want to go be- I want to make this point very clear. His dad and his dad's best friend taught Bill Watts how to fucking book. Vince's strategy, which he doesn't always use by the way, is a- is a fewfold. One, he um, knows that Paul Bosch, so Paul Bosch who ran Houston did this weird thing where he never actually had wrestlers he employed. I looked this up because I couldn't figure it out, and, I, and Gary Hart does a great shoot interview on YouTube and explains all of this, which was Texas because it was so geographically big and so populous 
Those territories, i.e. the one ran by Joe Blanchard and the one ran by Paul Bosch, didn't technically employ any wrestlers. They all shared wrestlers with Fritz or Bill Watts' territory, either with WCCW or um, Mid-South. The other thing you have to remember is Paul Bosch was a crotchety dick who was the best promoter out of any of them and was very close with Vince McMahon Sr. So a huge amount of the income that at this time Bill Watts was getting was from Paul Bosch. Paul Bosch uh, um, and Bill Watts start having a pretty major falling out at this point, which culminates in Paul Bosch then selling his territory to Vince McMahon and falling out with Vince McMahon because he's an old school wrestler who demanded crazy things. So this all starts in the Mid-South takeover with Vince McMahon cuts some of the income from uh, Bill Watts putting pressure on a guy that really likes flaunting how much he can pay people off and then immediately takes the biggest star he's ever had in the JYD who is, uh, according to everyone, like no one can express how fucking over this guy was in the Louisiana territory and then he just goes to New York and hangs out. Yeah, because he's not, because he's very sp- a specific star for a specific area. Obviously, he gets over a lot in New York, but it's like, there's no way that Vince is going to give the JYD any form of title because just by hierarchy of worker, he was like, he was exactly Vince's type of worker where he was like all charisma, like all charisma and like not good in the ring, really not even that good at promos. He was just like fucking great. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's just something about the Jenkins. He's, so He's, like He's, yeah, like He's like Batista. He's like Batista. There's just something about Batista where it's like, this guy's great. But his promos are fine in ring, not that good. Yeah, Batista is kind of, you're like, man, it's like an Ed Hardy hat that I want to hang out with. Yeah, exactly. Hey, who's that 50-year-old using Twitter like it's Tinder? That's Dave Batista. He's all right. Cool. <laughs> I like you. I'm rich. Let's do Do sex you like lunchboxes? Because I collect those because I am a weirdo. So Magnum CA and Mr. Wrestling 2 were the big, um, that was the big feud in Mid-South because obviously JYD's drawing power is dipping. Like he was very, but November 19th, 1983, uh, he garners only a 8,000. That Bill Watts was, was a piece of shit. It's the fact that JYD has been shown so much loyalty by Bill Watts. And the second someone goes, hey, do you want more money to fuck this guy over? He's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. And But that's all wrestling, though. That's wrestling. not just Junkyard Dog. A lot of champions dog. don't do that. You can tell every time someone does this thing that Vince became known for, and I can't believe how much I'm defending Vince this year, it's all guys that are dealing with promoters that have noted fucking bad moves and personalities, and they're like, you fucked me a lot. Now I get to fuck you. That being said, Vince McMahon is just, he's redoing how wrestling is done because Watts in Mid-South, obviously, are doing a different brand of wrestling, which is these two motherfuckers in cowboy boots is going to punch each other in the fucking head. I see exactly what you're saying, but I think that there is, there's a bit more logic to the way that Vince is taking over these territories because there's also a specific order it's done and also in... The way he does it isn't the same everywhere. Certain territories he goes in and negotiates. Other one he goes, there is no negotiating with this fucking dick. Here's how we're going. Here's how we're doing it. Yeah, because Bill Watts obviously the the 
we're not finished with Bill Watts because Mid-South obviously at some point does collapse, but that gives birth to the UWF because Bill Watts is not... It, it shows so much, this is going to sound awful, but it shows so much how it's way better to be good at business than it is at creative because undoubtedly everyone hates Bill Watts, but they also say this man could very well book a card because Magnum TA versus Mr. Wrestling 2, which was his, uh, his main feud in 1984, was one of the hottest feuds in wrestling and really did pop that territory at a time when Vince is expanding a lot. But also, he was probably like, I'll pay Magnum TA $16,000 a show because he's got hair that makes me go, hello, in my pants. I No, I'm not taking away Bill Watts's, uh, yeah, here's what, you don't use condoms, you just fuck her wearing your dick boot. Um, the thing you need to remember also, Bill <laughs> You nut in the same boot, and at the end of your life, you measure it. Yeah, everyone knows that the way you know how manly a man is is that if he's got a White lie, a salty something in his left boot. Oh boy, oh boy, he's a regular Dylan and John when it comes to loads. <laughs> um, the uh, thing you also have to remember, Bill Watts and the UWF thing is Bill Watts was, um, so fucking popular and powerful, and and a good enough businessman is that Turner gave him a early morning slot when Vince took over Georgia TV that was Saturday night at 6.05 on TBS, Bill Watts was given, uh, I think, the Sunday show at 5 p.m., which then went on to be called the main event and then WCW main event. Uh, that was all Bill Watts all the time. That was Bill Watts' slot, and Jimmy Crockett had to negotiate to get the Turner broadcasting deal. And it was Bill Watts and Jim Crockett negotiating for both of that together, which is why it was the UWF versus Jim Crockett promotions going on to something called World Championship Wrestling. It's this big debate over what would have happened if Bill Watts had taken over. I think the exact same thing that happened to Crockett eventually is it would have imploded because there wouldn't have been endless money. Uh, and he never would have brought someone like Hulk Hogan in. But it would have just made for a very different mid early to mid-90s wrestling competition. Yeah, I think he can't really, uh, like if Bill Watts takes over here, uh, probably the same exact program happens except for like Ron Simmons is the champion in 1988 instead of 1992. Yep. And be because he is the Bill Watts dream, which is he's a black man with like a legitimate, his number is retired as, at his yeah, college. He's, he's his so, locker, like he's exactly Bill Watts's cream. His drink. locker at his college is encased in glass. Yeah, this is this is uh, this is Bill Watts' dream. His <laughs> Bill Watts would have just with if he had the budget, he would have just recruited every single amateur wrestler who hurt his knee and college football player who hurt his knee, and his entire roster would have just been weird ex college football players and Ric Flair would have been the WWF being the million dollar man a lot earlier. If you listen <laughs> very carefully, you can actually hear Bill Watts jacking off to the idea of Ron Gronkowski going to the WWE. <laughs> you just hear the dude Gronk's gonna be so bad too. Oh, yeah, He's yeah, gonna yeah, be yeah. so bad at wrestling. He's gonna be so bad and I cannot fucking wait because if we anyone's missed the attitude era the guy who uh, played badly, so his stats remained at 69. Oh, that guy. Because 
Gronkowski is not going to. He is, yeah. He should be in DX. Oh, it's not even going to be called DX. It's just going to be called the Suck It Group. <laughs> give me blowjobs. I heard man. this guy's recovering from alcohol addiction. I'll kick his ass. Gronk. Uh... The new day, more like the new not good lifestyle. <laughs> I'm on mostly mineral water. That being said, if they go fucking, if it was 14A, Rob Gronkowski would be the greatest wrestler in the history of the WWE because he had a cruise line called the Gronk Cruise where it was literally him and his family, not him, not just him, him and his like brothers and his dad just get hammered on a boat and then they had concerts there's a really good video of his dad just wasted walking out during t-pain and t-pain is not he's not frazzled at all he's like oh this happens all the time just one of the gronkowskis comes out (laughs) wasted and i have to deal with it i mean there's so much i want to talk about in that mostly imagine being one of the gronkowski brothers they have a group twitter what are you talking about they don't like Rob Gronkowski doesn't have to I'll see if this is still active but like time was that they don't have their own Twitter they have like a family Twitter because that's like that's their dad being like listen oh no he has his own Twitter now yeah I'll tell you I'll tell yeah, you he has, all right there. so he has his own Twitter now. either Papa Gronkowski or one of the brothers had one too many wobbly pops on a Friday night and sounded off about women or ethnic minorities and a PR agent went, you are not sharing a Twitter with a bunch of, like, a bunch of half-Christian racist fucks. Because Gronkowski's, he's not Massachusetts. Pardon? Where is he? He's New England. Like, where the fuck is Gronkowski from? Where is he from? Whoa, I guess from Florida, Upstate, but he's New not. To- you do not want your family to have access to social media if they're from Amherst, New York. Oh, no. It is a southern populous suburb of Buffalo, New York. Good fucking gravy. Because as if you want New York State to be described, uh, go into any town, turn right at the gas station, turn left at the prison, and then you'll be going right by the total economic collapse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, as, as comedian Tim Golden said, uh, one of his friends moved to Buffalo. He's like, oh, that's a great plan. Uh, why don't you move to a town where their entire economy is based on an eight-game home schedule and four Arby's? <laughs> if you don't work at the Arby's, you work at the stadium. If you don't work at the stadium, I don't know, you eat rocks, yeah, yeah. I guess. You could just work at that bar that's inexplicably in the stadium's parking lot that's been burned down by fans a numerous amount of times. <laughs> so I think we can say this about Bill Watts at this point. is He's in one of the territories that's actually doing pretty well because by uh, the end of 1984, he's doing... He's doing pretty well. Like, wrestling is doing well. It's just, like, rather than... Vince McMahon is smart enough to, rather than wrestling during a boom period in the mid-80s when everyone's spending more than they're earning and all this stuff, rather than do that, Vince McMahon stakes his bet as, okay, I'll expand rather than just being like, oh, 1984, we made a lot of money that year. It's like, yeah, you just use that money as a loss leader to then get more. Also, at this time, what it is is all of those territories, if you think of them as buildings... Vince McMahon is going around and removing what the like the owners of the buildings wouldn't think were structurally important beams and doing things that are making them very like now susceptible to collapse when the wind blows the right way. I'm Bill Watts. I've made stars before. I don't need the JYD. The JYD leaves. His numbers stay good, 
but they do dip. He has to transition into being a tag team territory for a while, which is the launch of the Midnight Express. They still do a huge house at um, the New Orleans Superdome. It isn't a record-setting house, which it was with the Freebirds versus the JYD. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's one of the. I completely agree with your point. Wrestling is still super hot, but Vince's a aggressive stance towards some of the territories and also ability to invest in himself means that while these guys are busy like buying themselves Rolls Royces and employing noted pedophiles, Vince McMahon is buying himself more wrestlers who turned out to be noted pedophiles. <laughs> Vince McMahon hired the achiever pedophiles, not the guys who are just okay with working the same state fair every fucking Those 12 months, right? Those words are, of course, only of Dylan Gott, who believes that fucking kids is an achievement. I'm John Hastings. No, it's not. I'm, not I'm just saying. Dylan Gott. Wait a minute. No, wait. Oh, oh, sorry. That's what you said. No, yes, I believe that. Yeah, Dylan Gott, 100%. Dylan... By the way, you guys don't know this. Dylan recently changed his middle name to Harvey Weinstein is cool. Hey, listen, if you want the honey, sometimes oh. the bees are going to sting you. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't like how matter of a fact your voice just got. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about WCCW. Yeah. That is the Von Erichs territory. That is Fritz Von Erich being like, hey, I had another son. He's one year old, but I think I'd get some heat if I killed him in the ring. <laughs> All right. Saw his head off, Doris. Right here. I just ate two camel cigarettes and now I'm gonna go call Carrie a fucking pussy. <laughs> All right. Oh, apparently I can't go to the orphanage and pick up one of them used kids just for the purposes of punting them into the audience for fun. The fuck is this? Two of my sons. I don't love them. Mike, Chris, wish I'd had daughters. I gets my sons in the yard and I make them fight and the winner gets to suck my dick. We should say this. Fritz and Watts had a continuing alliance because a lot of this is makes sense, which is the top of the card is, uh, is your mainstays and then you create a good card, obviously, by having matches from Watts or Watts would have matches from Fritz on the undercard, just to create a bit so of variety, I watched a and then Gary have the Hart shoot interview. Do you know how Fritz? So Fritz was sort of he was the power broker for all of the territories in this area. And do you know one of the reasons uh-huh. why Dallas was the that was the main hub, and how he got that power? Oil no. money. Flights went more flights went into Dallas than anywhere else, so it was cheaper for the wrestlers to be flown into there, work a week or two in world class. And then go... Yeah, Southwest Airlines. Southwest Airlines, exactly correct. Yeah. Yeah, I listened to a whole thing on Southwest Airlines. They hated the Earth. (laughs) And then all their... Southwest Airlines, I forget, it was like Southwest versus American. And every Southwest idea was like, how about this? How about uh, we put on an advertisement if you goose our stewardesses, they won't say shit. I don't think Southwest is an ethical company. I will say this. Drunk drink service is prompt and um, quite comfortable. And also they won't. Well, that's. They will also allow you to change flights at the airport, which is always really nice because they're a commuter airline. So sometimes you get there slightly earlier and you're like, well, this flight's going to my destination an hour before I'm going. Can I just get on this? And if there's room, they'll pop you right on it there, baby. Oh, no. Yeah, that's what well, the, their original. Basically, the way they uh, made their name was like. 
Look how fucking hot our stewardesses dress. Also, all the goddamn whiskey you can have in oh, the sky. Yeah. If you don't have a cowboy hat, you'll just figure one out by the end of this flight. The air, the official airline of sexual harassment. Southwest Airlines, we are not gay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, obviously, here's what happens. They, as we've talked about previously, WCCW, and you probably know if you're listening to this, if you are listening to this, you're a huge nerd, and you know probably exactly what I'm about to talk about with WCCW, which is, they were fronted by the Christian Broadcasting Corporation, and Carrie Von Eric starts getting bumpy, bumpy, bump, and he was caught with 300 painkillers and 10 grams of uh, weed, and this got in the Texas media, obviously tarnished his white meese baby face thing. Which was basically that the storyline is the Freebirds have beer sometimes and I just drink milk because that was a thing back then was you just you drink you drink fucking milk. <laughs> but David is still yeah, alive David during this time. Still alive. Um, Fritz. So the David is thought to be the next NWA champion um, because he's exactly the NWA's type of guy, which is. There's almost like a hatred towards people like Kerry Von Erich, who are just stacked big cool well, he's boys. He's essentially a Vince wrestler. He's what be, would go on to be a Vince wrestler. The other thing that I want to point out is, uh, so WCCW was slowly built up, and the, the Von Erich boys, the transition of Fritz going from this sort of legend status, uh, from this like legendary wrestler who was the top of the territory to this retired guy, um, the whole chain of... Uh, talent going to Bosch, Blanchard, Watts, and then back through WCCW and scheduling. That all was one guy, and that one guy was Gary Hart. Mm -hmm. Gary Hart leaves at the end of 1982 because Fritz Von Erich, in one night, made a quarter of a million dollars, and he gave Gary Hart, as a bonus, $1,000. And Gary Hart was just like, well, fuck you. I'll be leaving now. And I have a weird theory, which is I think that Gary Hart was one of those guys where he... Gary Hart's one of the best people in professional wrestling and that he just really likes wrestlers. Like, he just really likes good... He just likes wrestlers. He wants wrestlers to be safe. He really goes out of their way to protect them. And I guarantee he was holding down some of the Von Herrick behavior because as soon as he leaves... They all are noticeably more caught to doing drugs all the time. Yeah, well, they're they're getting brazen. Like, as Gary Hart said at one time, it was like, it used to be they did it after the show. And then all of a sudden, it was just like people doing bumps in the locker room. Yeah, and it's also like they're making so much fucking money. The gate on June 17th, 1983 to see Kevin Von Erich challenge NWA champion Harley Race... A match that ended with David Von Erich interfering on Kevin's behalf, essentially establishing David Von Erich as one of the contenders for the NWA title, drew three hundred grand in a night in 1983. That is a ungodly amount of money for one fucking night. Yeah, this is, and honestly, watching these shows is exactly why I can't really watch any of the wrestling going on now without the crowd. Is because the crowd is going fucking insane, and the crowd makes professional wrestling and. They go nuts for anything the Von Erich boys do. Now, obviously, we all know how this ends, which is they could make Michael Hayes a face. They could make they could have like six top baby faces if they wanted to, because people just grow to love the free birds, but they just keep on having the free birds be heels. 
obviously I feel like them being on a Christian network does kind of put them in a corner in some way because they can't do anything a, a, a even approaching edgy and b they kind of can't well i mean fuck it of course they could they could they of course they could have the fucking confederate flag <laughs> these guys are the fucking sickest look at their sick ass flag but um they obviously they have jimmy garvin who's around who's like basically known as the fourth Freebird um because he would just team with them because he was another top heel jimmy garvin and precious he was feuding with uh, Chris Adams at the time. Mike Von Erich debuts. He's 19 at the time. And uh, this is his uh, first step on his journey to suicide, as Chris, Christopher Hobson right. says. Mike and Chris and he's Von absolutely Erich, Mike and Chris Von Erich look, literally look like actors portraying suicide victims in a after-school uh, PSA video. Like, they're both just like, I, I, I... All I see is yeah. my dad hitting me. I don't want to live. Because here's the thing. By the way, Vince really focuses in on uh, starting to encroach on WCCW. And this is really fucking dark. And I do, I wish someone had just called the police. Oh, get put the nightlight on. I guarantee on. that Vince McMahon Sr., who worked with a lot with Fritz Von Erich, was like, those kids will probably be fucked up. Their dad beats the shit out of them in a way that I, a wrestling promoter, don't approve of. Yeah, his dad, <laughs> their dad beats them up like <laughs> even weirder than, yeah, it, when Vince McMahon is like, wow, your childhood was yeah. bad, that's how you know, it's like, at least I had a, at least I was in a trailer park, so when the bad things started, I could run away and hide. You are just in a huge field where he'd be like, Doris, get my binoculars, carries on the run yeah. again <laughs> yeah you think you could merry christmas all of guess what's in all your presents it's a little bit of my shit from over the year because that's more valuable to me <laughs> than you fucking losers you're all kids and kids aren't allowed to wrestle but the thing about kevin carrie and david was kevin carrie and david were all at least interested in athletics and naturally athletic chris and michael were not they were just. They just wanted to be. Well, because what it cl okay, what it clearly was is Fritz played divide and conquer with his sons. He had three sons that he approved of, Carrie, David, uh, and Kevin, and he had two sons he didn't like because they weren't super stellar athletes, and they couldn't live up to that, so they killed themselves. Oh, it sounds like you guys are blaming Fritz von Erich for the decisions his children made later in their life. Yeah, none of them basically made it out of their fucking 20s. And that was all definitely result of the, I downright say, horrific treatment by his their father. Because if you listen to any interview Kevin gives, Kevin will nonchalant talk about like, oh, after all, my brothers had the unfortunate time. My dad was a bit unhinged. He'd just point his gun at me all the time and say, you're going to leave me too. If you were really strong, you would have killed yourself. And if that's the story Kevin's telling in a fun like, ooh, dad got a bit weird, imagine what the dark stories are. <laughs> he, well, yeah, so, but the, this, that being said, for two or three years, his uh, abuse of his children I really mean, did pay off financially. There is no argument I can make to, to, not, to, to go against what you just said, Dylan. <laughs> you make a good point. Hey, man. If you are Fritz von Erich and you are just a sociopath and the only reason you had kids was to then sell those kids in a way to the general public. Yeah, I got you. 
If you felt if you felt nothing other than when your son died to go, I guess we got to pop a good gate because we got another memorial show. Do then you you're ever, fine. Yeah. yeah, don't worry, Chris. We're going to sell out on Sunday. It's the Mike Von Eric is a pussy bitch memorial. Fuck. <laughs> Give me a camel. Give me a fucking camel. Um, uh, do you think that when Vince McMahon is... Uh, saying to Shane, uh, oh, I can't remember the 90s. It was all just talking to Sean McMichaels and fucking women behind your mom's back. And when Shane looks at the ground, he goes, at least I'm not Fritz. Do you think that that's what Vince thinks? Because that's what I think he thinks. Yeah, Vince is... I mean, if you go up against Fritz Von Erich, Vince McMahon is clearly much better. All his kids are alive, and they wear suits. He's got grandkids, even. He's got a shitload of grandkids. They probably like him. Like He's probably a great granddad. Like He probably just walks in, doesn't know what to give them for presents. <laughs> How are you doing? Here's each of 200 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a money yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No card on a birthday. He's, no, he's never given anyone no, no, a present. No, no, no. He just gives Linda like a card with $16,000 <laughs> in it. We have a joint account, Vince. Ah, whatever. I don't think they're getting a card. I think he's just straight up handing them wet money from his pocket. Like, Vince McMahon strikes me as the kind of guy that can have 10 grand on him at any time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, and a card that says, and if it's Linda, a card that says, you can suck me later. Yeah. Yeah. You get sucked in tonight. Your present is you get to put my cock in your mouth. So we got to talk about this, but then we'll take a break. Fritz von Erich, uh, sorry, should to say this, David von Erich dies in Japan. This is the worst part about it is they get every single von Erich kid on television to deny that it was anything drug related when it was clearly drug related. Uh, no, Dylan, 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 no, no. It was, he was a man in his 20s and somehow his stomach exploded because he was... <laughs> He ate some bad he ate sushi. Some steak. Supposedly, what it was is he ate too much steak and he was bulimic. Oh. So he over purged. Oh, which fuck. is the other theory. Which is okay. So there's two theories. One is uh, drug overdose, flushed down the toilet by Bruiser Brody, or the guy who later portrayed the goon in the WWF, because those are the two people on the tour with him. David Von Erich bulimic. Uh, his stomach ruptured in the night because he was over purging. Um, because he was trying to maintain muscle mass but also be very, very thin. Uh, or third, just rare crazy accident. Um, I'm going to go with one of the first two. Honestly, let's just say this. It was uh, going to be one of them. Like It was like going to be one of them at that point. Also, is part of being a wrestler in the 80s, like here's how you cover up what really happened when a guy died? Because that happens yeah. so Once much. Again, it's about protecting the business, especially if you're WCCW, which is your on the Christian network, your entire sort of basis for performing and everything is this good, wholesome, clean look. And if you're Frank Goodish, who's from Texas, knows the reputation of the Von Erics, I can't fucking remember who portrayed the goon in WWF, but he's the other one that he was the one who found the body. Both of them relied. Bill Irwin. Bill, Bill Irwin. Irwin. Thank you. Both of them really relied on WCCW for their income. This is a way to preserve their income, as bleak as that sounds. I also think, by the way, David Von Erich's death and Magnum TA's car accident, right there, Vince McMahon wins the fucking war with the NWA because that drops their eligible, uniquely positioned talent that is associated never with the WWF, always with the NWA down. 
That means Ric Flair, you're just going to keep this belt because you're the best. Because there is no way David Von Erich. Yeah. If David Von Erich lives, he's never going to Vince. He doesn't have the body for it, but he would make he would have done some amazing fucking matches. If you watch how he moves, holy fucking shit, what a good wrestler. And fucking terror. I think that no matter what WCCW, even if those guys 100% were like WCCW is done. I'm talking about the NWA as a whole. David yeah. Von Erich is a key. Oh yeah, no, David Von Erich would have been a champion and he would have been good. But like he would have been like like Barry Windham wouldn't have been as popular. I mean, Windham was great actually, but you get what I'm saying. Like he's one of those dudes where it's like he's not a. I think David Von Erich would have been a needle mover because if you actually watch his matches, I don't get the whole Barry Windham was the best wrestler of the late '80s thing. It's sort of like, yeah, I've seen how everyone, I've seen the NWA style done before. David Von Erich is fucking great. He's like a more brawly Ricky the Dragon steamboat where you're just like the things he do ha- things he does his amazing flow he <coughs> oh god it's corona has amazing in-ring psychology it's yeah sublime is the word that comes to mind ooh but yeah like that's the other thing about before we close up and take a break on WCCW is that i think it's inarguable that Fritz would have never not pushed his children so by this point, people are still okay with seeing every Friday night, see like Devon Eriks fight the Freebirds, but that gets old quick. And now it's going on five years because people only think of the years when it was really, really profitable, but there's years before this, like basically from the late seventies till the mid eighties, it's every week the Von Eric kids beating up whoever uh, the baby that's, faces. Well, that's why, and that's why then, bro- this is why when Gary Hart comes in 1976 up until 1982, it's a slow build of more and more dangerous heels that threaten the Von Eric legacy. And also they get weaker and weaker and more creative in how the heels do it building to the Freebirds feud. Like, bear in mind, it's the time-honored tradition that you always lose on your way out. Who beat King Kong Bundy definitively in essentially a squash match in his retirement match at Texas Stadium? Yeah, Fritz von Erich, who was like a new... King Kong Bundy was a new heel, and Fritz von Erich was like, no, I beat him very, very fast. I beat him wearing a T-shirt... Where I went to college. Yeah, because I don't, don't want to show my, my, my juggos yeah, yeah. off. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to be back with talking about the AWA completely folding after Hulk Hogan leaving, and of course, Crockett oh, Promotions. Yeah, oh, hi, everyone. I think you're all wondering, does Dylan use condoms? No, and that's why you need to do- donate to Patreon, because he has a lot of children his wife doesn't know about. I am the king. I coined the phrase risky cream pie. <laughs> and you need to give to Patreon to help my maybe there's a baby fund. Patreon.com backslash wrestler review. If you don't want to do that, uh, you're a fucking loser. But if you're still a fucking loser and you're okay with that, rate us on iTunes. It does help with the algorithms. For old fucking uh, Steve Slobs' goddamn Apple things. So rate us on iTunes, rate us on SoundCloud, rate us in real life, 1 to 10. Here's a hint, we're both 10s. Hi everybody, the second time we're trying to record the second half. First one we had to cut short, because I had to violently shit. John had to duke it. It was real good, I gotta tell ya. Oh yeah. So we're gonna start off talking about the AWA. 
Vern Gagne, Greg Gagne, they don't need Hulk Hogan. Noted old man murderer and crotchety fuck, Vern Gagne. Do you think Vern Gagne watched WrestleMania 1? He was like, if that was me and Mr. T. Absolutely not. I guarantee Vern, and it would have been, why the fuck is Venturnin on my fucking, on the fucking window? <laughs> if that was me and Mr. T, it would have been, uh, ooh, we were, ooh, Vern would have sold out that fucking place. Let me tell you this about Mr. T. If I'd been in that tag team with him, I would have put him in a, uh, in a nice, he would have uh, received a crossbody from me after a good 45 minutes of a chin lock. That's how you build it. <laughs> really set the stage up there. Greg, here's the thing you got to know about Terry Hulk Hogan. Uh, he does not know how to properly apply a uh, an armbar. He'll never be a champion because he doesn't know how to. He doesn't know how to uh, make people sleep just on command. Yeah, here's the thing about Nick Bockwinkle. Not good at reading. Not good at wrestling. Very good. Listening to me. Nick Bunker kills my top guy because he's the only one that let me watch him and his wife do the old Vern. That's what I call sex. Now, yeah, now, Greg, you think that I call doing the Vern sex, but it's, of course, I like to watch people go to the bathroom. My kink. <laughs> I made a little Vern. <laughs> I made a little Vern. Now I'm all burned on. Here's the thing you need to remember. You were conceived after I watched your mom fall down some steps. Before that, I thought she was a strong woman. <laughs> then I saw that she didn't have perfect balance, and I thought, oh, she's the old gal for vert. I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> she's ready for some vert. Ooh, old slippery Minnesota. Okay. There you go. Where uh, you heard that old uh, that old slogan? Where's the beef? Well, it's in your mom's fucking meat flaps, cause oh. old Vern let loose a goocher in there. Yeah, here's the thing to remember about Baron von Rashti is uh, he only was employed because I got to use his mouth as a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so old Vern, the AWA is drawing power. Who did they replace Hulk Hogan with? Uh, it was a uh, it was Vern Gagne. <laughs> No, is is honest to God, it was the Crusher, a fifty-seven-year-old version of the Crusher. They oh, changed like we're going surfing, dude. For I just took a fucking loose dump. Yeah. If you fucking if I ask for extra fries, you better give me extra fries, lest I'm gonna take an upper decker in your fucking washroom. Anyway, also I'm fighting. Who am I fighting? Greg Gagne. La- last week I I drove to the arena. It's a burgundy Cadillac. Who does someone know where I parked it? <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway, I he <laughs> took a shit. Yeah, Greg, <laughs> the 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 uh, the crusher for Hulk Hogan is a very funny trade. Where it's like we're not in old territory. Here's a man who's three years away from being a legitimate senior citizen. A guy that if he was in the UK within three years he could get on a bus for free. He's the only man who we know that can replace um, the, de- depending on your metric, the most important and financially important uh, wrestler of all time. Yeah. So this is when they turn to fucking Memphis goddamn wrestling to try and help out. Oh yeah. You know things are bad. Okay. So the, this is the best thing in the entire world because. I get so this Vince McMahon again laughing his fucking head off. He's gotten Hulk Hogan. 
He has eviscerated Vin- uh, Vern Gagne's territory. Vern Gagne was a piece of fucking shit, has told the story of their negotiation takeover in so many different ways that I know none of them are true. Oh, really? He has claimed that like he was willing to sell to Vince, and then Vince was like, that's fine, except for one thing, I don't negotiate. So, no. Uh, he claimed that... Uh, Greg has claimed that they were going to bring in Andre the Giant the week that Ho- the week after uh, Hogan left, and they stole that main event idea. They maintained that there was never any bad blood between Vern and Hulk Hogan ever, actually, and that um, uh, Hogan was coming back to the AWA if they could just survive a little bit longer, and that's where WCW got the idea. Like all of this fucking bullshit. That's very good. Like, he takes the AWA... Like, Vince just uh, looted the AWA because Vern wouldn't ever pay these guys anything. Yeah. The thing with the AWA, the only person that goes there and does well is Sergeant Slaughter. That's because Sergeant Slaughter was big in New York, had fucking G.I. Joe money, and could probably be like, no, Vern, you have to pay me this. I don't need to wrestle. And he's like, I... All right, Serge. If you, I'm Captain Vern, though. I'm Captain Vern. Also, Vern Gagne, as you'll, if you want to learn more about Vern Gagne's role in creating Hulkamania, you can listen to our, I don't know how many parts of it was, Hulk Hogan series. That's also very long, but Vern Gagne was the one who told Hogan to Hulk up, who put all of these, like, the the entire Hulk up was Vern Gagne's idea. So Vern Gagne clearly knew how to make good professional wrestling like cartoony professional wrestling but the problem was he just didn't believe that that had a place above goddamn waist lock amateur wrestling it's also one of those things where he also was greedy if he all he had again according to all accounts except for verns hogan would have stayed if he hadn't gone after his merchandise and his japan dates and if hogan stays in the past 1985 that's a completely different ball game well he wanted the title he wanted the title and to be the top guy, and Vern wouldn't do that unless he gave him all his merch and yeah. married his daughter. <laughs> if Vern had done, had just been like, yeah, you, you can stay up late, you can have cookies, here's everything you want, it's a completely different world we're living in wrestling-wise as of night. Like, because WrestleMania does not happen in 1985. WrestleMania doesn't happen when the WWF is already super hot and they bring this guy in and he goes fucking nuclear it's a completely jimmy snooker is more than likely put on top and then they cannot avoid a murder trial (laughs) i don't know i don't i really don't know because i think he would have done wrestlemania anyway i think they would have recruited someone else they wouldn't have done it with snooker but maybe he would have been able to like get Carrie Von Erich away from Fritz, which may have saved Carrie Von Erich's life. Like, I think no matter what, the WWF would have been a success. Such an, and Vince knows that. Is, is the fucking, he's, he's the key ingredient. He's the sauce on the Big Mac. He's the load on the face. Without... But that's the whole thing, where it's like, if Vern Gagne wasn't Vern Gagne, then Hulk Hogan wouldn't have left. But he is. And that's pro- partially what made... Hulk Hogan so good in the AWA and partially and like 100% sorry what made him leave. Um, 
And Vern Gagne tried to replace Hulk Hogan with the Crusher, who was an old guy, and Larry Zabisco, who starts every match by walking around the ring for 35 minutes with nothing happening because that makes the fans angry and also want to leave. Larry Zabisco starts every match by smoking a full menthol cigarette. But also, like, <laughs> that's pretty much it, actually. And just slowly making an egg. And when someone's like, can you take it from two to three at least? You're like, no, the egg has to really sit here. You're, you make shitty eggs. That's your problem. <laughs> you got to keep it at two for about 20 minutes. That makes it, Then it slides right off the pan. Not to explain jokes, but this is why that fucking joke is so brilliant. Is if you've ever made tried to make eggs quickly around someone who really values cooking eggs, that's exactly the conversation. Uh, it's too hot. I, I don't care. I'm just literally trying to make breakfast. I don't care what it tastes like or is. Yeah, no, but it's, you know, it's just not going to have that great egg flavor. Yeah, I, I don't care. <laughs> there is a very serious delineation of people who just want to eat and don't care that much versus... Me. That's me. Uh, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't care either. Just put some salt on it. It'll taste good yeah. enough. Whereas Alexis is like, no, but we have to... You have to need, like, I'm not needing anything. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to cook it fast and then shove it in my face and then get back to what I'm doing. Anyway, as I've, as I've wanted to yell at many a person, you're lucky this isn't a hungry man dinner. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so AWA uh, booked the show at the Cow Palace, March 24th, 1984. And really, I think the AWA was, the AWA was, unfortunate in that they were directly in vince's way they were also in northeastern territory and here's the problem they book a show at the cow palace which holds thousands of people they draw 900 and the awa was also on espn at this time and showed how much little people care about wrestling there's a lot of things that show how little people care about wrestling such as the wwf still going ahead with many wrestling events even though there's a virus that's going to kill millions of people on the earth and also, shit like this where they were just like, ah, oh, we got wrestling, it's fucking, I don't know, that weird guy who just keeps on trying to waste lock me. Well, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got wrestling. <laughs> well, there, you want to connect the hands there? Just connect the hands, you get yeah, right behind you. Oh, I'm behind you. You have to remember ESPN executives is the only way we're going to sign this contract is in blood or piss. Which one do you want it to be? <laughs> okay, so I think the first thing is I get to pin Walter Payton. You make it happen. I pin Walter Payton. Yeah. yeah. Is there any possibility that I could meet that young Dan Marino? I would like to put him into a full Nelson. <laughs> I want to pin Dan Marino and Walter Payton at the same time. Yeah. Then I'll do your uh, Refrigerator contract. Perry, is there any way that I could uh, put him inside some sort of abdominal, abdominal stretch? <laughs> Hi, ESPN. I used to... Um, uh, I used to uh, wrestle on your program. Can you uh, can you connect me with the uh, Elijah Wan character? <laughs> so this is um, the basically the WWF and the AWA are at such a fucking heated. Here's also why is I guarantee Vince sees his dad in Vern and it's just like couldn't destroy my dad. I'm gonna destroy you. Yeah. Well, I mean, he. I think that Vern was just kind of like helpless where it's like his because another thing that happens is they have this huge event and the baby faces get booed and jesse ventura gets cheered and it's like you're in the northeast as well where it's like southern wrestling is a different type of wrestling but there is a certain like 
fucking too cool for school ironic element to liking wrestling in the cold places in the world and Vern is just his wrestling is too earnest and he's and his baby faces are too fucking old I, like, this is a weird thing wrestling fans statistically speaking they're nerds but they're nerds that fuck people I mean let's not say too much no, 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 no. <laughs> like, well, here's what I'm saying I'm saying we, and this is a very specific, this is before nerddom became popular, but there was two types of nerds. There were nerds with girlfriends that were just women with dyed hair who looked very bored on a sofa. And then there were the nerds that had no girlfriends and were just like, I don't even care where women are. I like the Fantastic Four. Wrestling fans had that bored girlfriend who would eventually leave because they'd just be like, I don't give a fuck who Kevin Steen is. And El Generico <laughs> has never made me come like you. Um, and that's very much the Northeastern wrestling fan. Is it just like, my girlfriend Sonia's here even though she's quite bored. Guess what, Macho Man Randy Savage in 1992? You're a bitch. Yeah, the, these wrestling fans are kind of like people who played sports but wished they were better at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's like a general fitness you have just from playing sports but also still being bad. At least you're getting a good run. You know what I mean? Mm. I could. He's just running around I out there. I would have been better at football if I cared, but I was too busy not caring. Yeah. Turns out I can't catch at all. So this is a standard thing. Vince invades the territory and uses people the AWA is familiar with. Uh, and crushes them. Oh yeah, <laughs> completely baby. crushes them. Takes their shit. Like there's this is an AWA All Star show. Hulk Hogan, Gene Okerlund, Sergeant Slaughter, Iron Sheik, Don Morocco, of course Andre the Giant, Adrian Adonis, Dick Murdoch, David Schultz, and not to mention uh, Ken Patera. It's real good stuff. Like, yeah, this is. Like, this is like, holy shit, this, like, for AWA fan, you have to understand, these people cycled through the territory, so now you're seeing all of these dudes you haven't seen in years. It'd be like, like, when a wrestler comes back times seven, all these guys, and you're just like, this is fucking amazing. And most people, the thing is, casual fans don't know anything about wrestling, they just know it's wrestling. So they're not going to say, oh, this is AWA or this is the WWF. They just see wrestling. So they go to the wrestling like, oh, Hulk Hogan, he was at the wrestling. So they honestly probably believe they're seeing the exact same thing. Once again, like exactly the, the, the study that was done a couple years ago where there's a MMA league named Bellator on Spike TV. And honestly, 75% of the people watching that believe they're watching the UFC. Like, oh, this is a new type of UFC. They must have a new program. It's a fucking. There's great. probably people who watch the. Go ahead. There's probably people who watch AEW and see Chris Jericho and are like, "Oh, I guess this is like another WWF thing." Yeah, it's like, and it's also the weird thing of it. This is jumping ahead, but it's how a lot of people still also refer to wrestling as is that that thing Hulk Hogan does, and you want to be like, "No, it is not a sex tape." <laughs> no, it's not banging a guy who works at Burger King's yeah. wife. First of all, Bubba the Love Sponge would be lucky to be able to work at a Burger King now. He. He has... My name would be Bubba the Cum Sponge. That's what your butt's nickname is. <laughs> so of all the territories, there was one doing the best, and that was Jim Crockett Promotions, because they were still getting paid tribute by other NWA territories. And you were saying, John, how did they fuck over the AWA? They fucked over a lot. They fucked over the NWA. They ran Starcade, which basically was like, okay, the NWA is a collection of territories that are all the same, but we're slightly more all the same. 
They fucked over the AWA by um, also they tried to also expand nationally. They took any of their wrestlers that they didn't want, that the WWF didn't want, the NWA would offer them contracts in a limited sort of circumstance, leaving the AWA only basically able to work with Fritz, who seceded from the NWA in an attempt to also go national based off of how big his sons got. That didn't work out because all of his sons fucking killed themselves. And Memphis, and as I just said a few moments ago, didn't work out because it was essentially a stubborn old man and a shady, slightly younger man um, having a big old fucking ding dong. Yeah, that's this is why it didn't work and why this was never going to work, which was each territory wanted their guy to win. And you can only have so many double countouts before everyone realizes like, oh, this isn't this isn't going to solve anything. And that's exactly what happens. Like Fritz uh, obviously wanted his kids to win and the NWA wanted Flair to win and 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 then nobody ends up looking like they can beat Hulk Hogan, which is exactly what we've always said, which is Hulk Hogan was always booked as this guy can throw anybody through a goddamn wall because he drinks so much milk and he gets a good jog in before breakfast versus Ric Flair is booked like, oh, he needs like the maid's help to win. (laughs) He needs someone else to actually beat the other guy. Yeah, Ric Flair is again... And it's something we it's a big theme on this podcast. Ric Flair was never booked as a strong champion. He was just a good enough talker that he'd make you forget he'd get his heat back the next day. Yeah. So And in the lockdown, let's let's just let's just embrace the wrestling nerdiness that is John Hastings. In the lockdown, I've been watching a shitload of old NWA on YouTube because I find it soothing. And a thing that they do constantly is heels are constantly being beaten and then get their heat back by beating the shit out of the baby faces. So essentially the NWA always said like the heels are bad at wrestling, but the baby faces are fucking idiots. Yeah, exactly. That's always what happened. It was all, that was always wrestling as a kid was like, yeah, the good guy is better at wrestling, but he's just dumb. Yeah. He's just, he always shakes the guy's hand. (laughs) Just don't shake his hand. (laughs) Dylan, I see your point, but you got to be a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Above all else, you gotta be a gentleman. But this is—they have Star Wars shows. WCCW does. How the fuck they didn't get sued for those? It's very funny, and it started after Star Wars. <laughs> it like started in 1980. They would do Star Wars <laughs> because this is what I'm saying, man. No one pays attention to wrestling. I mean, I understand that no one pays attention to wrestling. At the same time, someone should. Someone should have been like, sue them. Or you remember the throwaway joke in like Kevin Smith movies was that they would call, they would use something like a lightsaber, but they would call it something else because they would for sure be sued. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like, think about it. ECW made a lot of money off tapes where they were like, what's this guy's theme song? Oh, it's the number one song on the radio right now. How can you sell this? No one cares. Just no one fucking cares. So here's what I'm talking about with Star Wars. Uh, they eventually they draw 20,000 people a ton of times, but 1984, it's starting to look down. Uh, so Jerry Jarrett booked Star Wars for 84 at the Mid-South Coliseum, drawing 11,000 people. Um, the matches included Jerry Lawler and Austin Idol and the Road Warriors, the Fabulous Ones, and the Pretty Young Things. Star Wars programs were then staged in Nashville and Louisville. Within days of the WWF's second local card, Louisville uh, was July 22nd, headlined by Jerry Lawler, teaming with a football player against Rick Rude and Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Now, this is also another thing where they're going head-to-head, and this is all just ego, where it's like, let Vince run the town, and then six months later, you come back because 
you can both just make money then. Yeah, and instead what they would do is they'd both go into Philadelphia on the same day and try and compete that way. Which is so dumb. Where it's like, Vince can take this loss. Vince has more money than you. You're literally fighting fire with fire. Like, if you both drop 500 people, that hurts you way more than it hurts Vince. It's also... it. It also makes you look weaker because Vince is way more entrenched if you're in the Northeast because they all think of him as wrestling and you as the new product. Yeah. And territories are having problems all over the place, which are like in the 70s, every single territory. It was really great for territory wrestling because every territory had a top guy who was a genuine top guy who was very good at his job. And by this time, obviously, everything's being consolidated. So like Florida is dying because... Dusty Rhodes now is in Crockett forever. Um, obviously, Minnesota is dying because Hulk Hogan left. I mean, that's obviously Vern Gagne's problem. And Dallas is on its way down because everyone's like, oh, I guess these cokeheads are going to die now. Like, it becomes, like, sad to watch wrestling because you just, like, the how they handle David's death really just shows, like, oh, their their father's, like, very abusive. I don't think I want to buy a ticket to see the abused boys run around and having a little bit of fun. Well, the only one that stays the course for the entire 80s is Memphis. Memphis makes a lot of money, and they, oh, and they never overstep their boundaries. Jerry Lawler eventually wins the AWA title in, like, 1988 when it's not really even a promotion anymore. And then refuses to go back because uh, Vern doesn't pay any of the Memphis wrestlers and then says, well, no, Jerry Jarrett was supposed to pay them. And it's like, they were working in your fucking buildings, in your fucking territory. I'm pretty sure you're the one who got the money, Vern. Don't be a fucking bitch. Yeah. In the battle of the cheap, Vern blinked. Yeah. In the battle of the, I'm a wrestling promoter, so you gotta steal some move money. Vern was the most wrestling promoter. Yeah, exactly. So, well, that's the it for this week, John. I'm gonna ask instead of best and worst, which territory do you think? Um, which territory do you think had the best creative, and which territory do you think had the best business? Twofold qu- uh, thing. It best creative at the beginning of the '80s. WCCW best creative. End of the 80s, Jim Crockett Promotions. Best business overall, Jim Crockett Promotions. I think I think the best business is Memphis just because they stayed the course. Oh, fuck. I forgot about Memphis. I forgot about them, Dylan. Now, this is the other thing, though, because is the best... Like, obviously, Ted Turner buying your business probably means you did the best because you built up the biggest thing. Like, you built up the biggest territory. Yeah, it collapsed and also left a lot of people pretty financially destitute. Yeah, like the USWA is a territory like well into the 2000s. Yeah, the USW and the USWA is Memphis. For those of you who got confused, the USWA was the rebranded Memphis territory after they bought essentially the skeleton of WCCW. Yes, so they yeah, and that is the other thing is that you can basically buy all these and do all these these um specialty matches that are like matches you would have paid to see in the 80s and they actually have conclusions because it's the 90s and no one cares yeah and like everyone just like okay i don't i'm i work full-time as a construction worker i don't care about this anymore i'll just i'll just lose to jerry the other big thing i just want to take away from this moment in the territories is the territories we covered in this episode are significant to the year of Vince McMahon because they are basically in order the hurt, the biggest hurdles Vince has to climb over in terms of national expansion in that you take out WCCW, 
that basically destroys Texas. You got Paul Bosch, but Paul Bosch is easy because Paul Bosch doesn't have any wrestlers to employ. So once Bill Watts and uh, Fritz are out of the way, he's got to fucking parlay with you. Doesn't prevent, by the way, Paul Bosch from um, being a fucking idiot and not taking uh, a certain amount of money in a business deal and then robbing the box office, which is according to Bruce Pritchard. Who knows if that's actually true, but listen, anyway. Um, but that's a huge hurdle is once uh, Fritz and Bill Watts are out of the way. AWA is crushed because he gets Hogan. Memphis is an unnecessary takeover because they stay in their box. You just work with them. That's fine. And Jim Crockett, it takes him most of the 80s, but by the end of the fucking 80s, Jim Crockett is fucking dunzo-bunzo. And within a year, Ric Flair's in the WWF. These are all significant adversaries for Vince McMahon, and fuck me, does he play this so fucking smart in how he works all of these territories into his company. Even with the point of bringing Jerry Lawler in and feeding Bret Hart to him, essentially, and then turning him into this fucking goofy fucking sex fella on fucking television, even though there's nothing goofy about the sex Jim uh, Jerry Lawler has. It's all just terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this he just explores that he has money. He might not have... have Honestly, I don't know the finances, obviously, of these guys, and there's they're private businesses, so by no way are they going to release anything, but he just takes advantage of the fact that it, it they're f- different territories doing different types of wrestling, and they can't consolidate quickly, and to consolidate quickly, they'd basically have to be like, okay, there's seven of us, we elect a leader. This guy is the unquestioned leader of this territory. We all trust him. And now we elect a champion and we have to have no ego step into this. And there's no way that a guy like Fritz von Erich or a guy like Vern Gagne is going to ever let that happen. Jerry Jarrett might have. Like, this is why I think Memphis was the best business because Jerry Jarrett seems like the type of guy who would put everything aside and just looks at, honestly looks at money. Yeah, it's weird. Jerry Jarrett, by the way, he Jerry Jarrett weirdly also saves up his crazy for a territorial feud with his son over the over TNA. Yeah. Like he has such yeah. smart business moves and then T and then he he betrays his son and then joins the WWF to manage a Russian briefly. It's very odd. <laughs> yeah. Versus like there's no way if there's no way if like they all let's say a miracle happens and they all consolidate and they're like, you know what, Fritz because Crockett would have been making the most money. But if Fritz is on that board every single Tuesday, he would have been like, I'm just spitballing here, but how about I'm the champion and I pin all my sons? Yeah, yeah. let me just throw this out there. I don't, uh, 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 how do I say this? Uh, 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 you all die. (laughs) I get to kill you guys. That's the match. I get to shoot you with a real gun. You real die. All right, so that's it for this week, guys. Uh, We're going to be back next week with another fucking episode in the 52 weeks of Vince McMahon. Thanks so much for listening. Please join us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash wrestler review. We have our Ken Patera episode up right now, and we'll be releasing our Duke the Dumpster Drossy episode in the coming weeks. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Rate and subscribe. Get us on Twitter, at WrestlerView, Instagram, at WrestlerView. Join Patreon. Enjoy your time inside. The world is hell. Hell is the world.